Hello, world. Welcome back to the latest and greatest episode of My Friend Chuck. I am Mike Richmond of the Oregonian Oregon Live. With me, as always, my friend Chuck, Charles Tuggle, who's an all-star snub at best. What's poppin', man? At best. Low, low vote getter. I gotta rally my people in Indiana, rally my people in Oregon, Connecticut, D.C., Actually, that's a pretty good base when I put it like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're I all got, over the map. I could get a couple hundred votes. I kind of view you like Zaza Pachulia. You know, you're going to do really well in the, like, cheating the system fan vote, <laughs> but uh, the, the assistant coaches are not going to vote for you. No, no, I don't have clout like that, but but I'm working on my game every single day. Are you in the gym Instagramming it? Because it doesn't count if you don't gram it. I'm not. I can't even. I couldn't even do that ironically. <laughs> and I do go to the gym a whole lot, actually. But but I, I can't do the Instagram in there. I just Dude, can't. just take a photo and say no days off. That's, it's pretty simple. <laughs> hard work, hard work, hard work. Uh, speaking of days off, the Blazers have one today. We're recording this on Saturday, January 12th. It's actually January 13th. Sorry. Um, Blazers are fresh off a loss to the New Orleans Pelicans. Last night, they've lost two in a row after losing a, another road game to the Houston Rockets. Charles, as we've passed the midway point of the season, what do you think? How, what do you think about your Blazers who are now not very securely, but sitting in fifth in the West heading into Sunday? Mike, you know, it's it's more the same, really. I, we kind of know what this team looks like, which, you know, is to say that, that they could certainly improve their form a little bit. Um, but based on, you know, the, the rest of kind of the, the second tier of the Western Conference, the, the, there's basically one tier for me. First tier, Warriors, Rockets, Spurs. I guess Timberwolves are all kind of on their lonesome right now. Timberwolves are looking like they could get there. Yeah, in the, in the middle. Oh, they're only, oh, wow, they're half a game back from Spurs. Yeah, let's throw the Spurs in there, or the T-Wolves in there then. One through all four. Right. One through four, first tier. And then there's, you know, about five teams to me that are second tier, and uh, that might make the end of the season kind of interesting because there could be a lot of falling and a lot of rising for sort of spots five through five through nine. Um, in the Western Conference. So there could be some interesting games coming up, but the Blazers' play is not wholly interesting. But are the Blazers, I mean, they're not, I, I agree with you. I'm not, I don't think this is, has been a particularly intriguing season. They're kind of stuck on the treadmill. But uh, I mean, are the Blazers, they're right. When you're talking tiers, like they're in the mix with Denver and uh-huh. OKC and New Orleans. Like you don't think that they're, on the low end of that tier. I think they're right there. I mean, I, I, maybe, the I Nuggets get, maybe the Nuggets get healthy. Maybe the Thunder figure out how to play well for like consecutive weeks. Uh, you know, they played pretty well in December and then they lost Andre Roberson and now they can't play defense at all. And it's, uh, yeah, I, th- I, I think it kind of should be ours to sort of ours to maintain or ours, ours to lose really the Blazers sort of fifth spot. Uh, but just the cushion, I, I just think that window, uh, it's going to be so few games, almost maybe through the rest of the season, that I, I just think it might be interesting that the Blazers might just uh, pick up an injury at the wrong time or uh, or for another team uh, that will, like, jockey those sort of spots around a little bit. You know, five through nine seem kind of fluid to me. Uh, with yeah, the, the, I mean, if, if uh, I think Blake Griffin and Paul Millsap are the two big X factors for me. Like, if Blake comes back and the Clippers get it rolling i i think they can climb you know they're mm-hmm. lou will has just been dragging them to what they're a game and a half out of fifth right now with basically nobody healthy with lou williams and deandre jordan and a bunch of g league guys so 
Uh-huh. I think if Blake gets back and he's healthy, uh, I know we were maybe unfairly high on the Clippers early in the season, uh, but they're still in, in striking distance. And if Paul Millsap, he's going to come back after the All-Star break, it sounds like. If he comes back, I mean, the Nuggets, they were really good when he played. Um, it's just, are they going to fall apart without him here in the next five weeks or whatever it is? Right, right. Lots can happen there. And also with the Clippers, what is sort of DeAndre Jordan's status? Is he is he itching to get out? Is he is he sitting pretty? Um, will the Clippers sort of think about making a move? Will that be contingent upon Blake's return in health and form? Uh, so you don't really know about them. And they, they kind of seem like they're on the lower end of that tier just because they have a lot of what ifs. Um, whereas Trailblazers kind of, kind of are uh, and Thunder uh, they don't really seem to be able to put it wholly together as well. And the Pelicans are right in there. Um, the Pelicans have been one game above or one game below 500 since Thanksgiving. They've just been just yo-yoing, swinging back and forth. Yeah, exactly. They're like, uh, obviously, they have some really good high-end talent. You know, the with, if you have Anthony Davis and Demarcus Cousins on the floor, you're going to be, you you know, yeah, you're probably going to have two of the three best players in the game most nights. But uh, they're beyond that. They just their roster is a little bit wonky, and I think we saw that with the Blazers against them last night. It's like those two went off. And if the Blazers had slowed down Drew Holiday a little bit, they still they would have won that game. Heck, if the Blazers had just made some wide open three pointers, they would have won that game. Yeah, yeah. And Drew Holiday's a nice player, also not on the same level of, of Boogie and AD, but but uh, I mean he, he can put up some good nights and, and did did last evening. I had this conversation with a uh, somebody who works in the league, and I said that Drew Holiday was the most underrated player in the league until he got paid, and now he's just <laughs> correct. He's just correctly rated. Right. Like, well, he's he's being compensated for what he is. Right, you do you do have to I think take in consideration the compensation uh, when when rating players. It feels kind of silly because you know they and their agents, maybe more importantly, are always sort of leveraging and working for the best possible deal. Uh, so we probably should just look at how they perform on the court. But the NBA has salary caps, and so what you get paid does matter. It does. It it. I mean, it. Everyone in the locker room knows what you, what people are making. You know. Uh, it's so it's the perception at, from the outside and the inside is is tinged or painted or whatever by your by your paycheck. That that's just the truth. It's the unfortunate truth of being rich and having a good job playing playing hoops for millions of dollars. Exactly, and, and there's a, a a few few trailblazers sort of contracts and salaries which have drawn the uh, the ire of, of of myself and many other Blazers fans this year also. So yeah, it, it paints the picture. It, it does indeed. Uh, do, do you think, I know what I think, but I, I, the, I think the Blazers have played better over the last 10 days. Like I think they've, they've probably played the best they have all year over the past 10 days. You think, is that, you agree? I, I do agree. Um, and the Blazers, you know, the Blazers are only two games above 500, but, but they felt like they were yo-yoing around that 500 level as well. And they were what, 22 and 18 maybe before these yeah, last that's two that's what losses. they got to that's what they got and to after that w- very good win over Oklahoma City of an impressive win they just they punked Oklahoma City on the road it's uh-huh. a great win that's probably their best win of the year I would say uh, I would agree with that yeah I would agree with that as it was you know not surprising to me but it was it was pleasant to see so yeah that four game cushion above above 500 looked really nice and really kind of stark considering their their sort of uh, proximity to the 500 level uh, for the rest. The Blazers of the have spent exactly zero days below 500 this year. Oh, exactly zero. Interesting. 
Doesn't it feel like they're like a losing team? Like, <laughs> yeah, that that that, is, that that actually shocks me. I could have swore there were some like you know fifteen and sixteen days. No, because they started huh. out two and zero or whatever. They 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 got that two zero cushion, and then they've kind of just been. They beat you know they beat uh, Phoenix and Indiana to open the season on those two big blowouts, and they've kind of just been relying on those that blowout cushion <laughs> to uh, to pad them for another two months. Yeah, that's funny. So yeah, so to. Re- Turn to your initial comment. I, I do think they've been playing a bit better, at least offensively. Uh, totally. The, the ball totally. is just the moving, defense, moving more. The defense is up and down. Yeah, the, the ball has just been moving more. Um, and, and that has looked nice. And it's uh, it's a bit difficult to diagnose the reason why. Um, it doesn't seem like you know schemes have changed much. Offense has fundamentally changed at all. But uh, Shabazz Napier, I think, has to be considered here, as we've mentioned before, uh, in his sort of intelligent sort of Almost almost retrograde pure point guard play. Um, yeah, he takes some risks, man. That dude takes some risks out there. Yeah, he does. Uh, and he's a really beautiful passer. You know, he, some fun passes. You know, he had that sort of wrap around behind the back the other week against uh, to, to to get Zach Collins a bucket, um, and just some sort of like scoop passes and things which are which are fun to watch. And so I think he he's played a big a big role in that as he's gotten more minutes with uh, which of course correlates with with Dame's absence. Uh, not to sort of put the ball sticking on Dame, um, but it, it, it's maybe has something to do with it. That's uh, interesting. I've heard, or probably maybe more accurately, read multiple fan takes uh, saying that Napier opened up the offense, and I do think it correlated with Napier playing. But do you like when you watch Dame without looking at any numbers? Do you feel like he makes the ball stick a little bit more, for better or for worse? Do you feel like he kind of slows up the offense? I do. I do. He's not a pure point guard, and that's not a knock on him because he has a value set, and it's 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 highly valued in, in how the the game is played today. Uh, and I don't think his presence is bad for the Blazers ever. Uh, let me be clear about that, uh, or or his presence on the court. But but Shabazz zips the ball around a little more frequently, um, and you know Dame gets his assists, um, but he doesn't move the ball like Shabazz does. Uh, and I think that stuff is kind of contagious. So it is hard to sort of diagnose, like I said. Um, but if he's moving the ball, then other people are moving the ball. It's sort of a chain reaction sort of thing. So I do think the ball sticks a little bit with Dame. Um, and Interesting, because not- I, I probably would have pushed back against that. Uh, I probably would have said that that's just like, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that it is like that. I don't get that sense when I watch him, which is hilarious. Hmm. Um, hmm. That that you and all other fans, the fans are out to get me, Charles. <laughs> um, the media is wrong. But uh, yeah, I mean, maybe there are sort of, you know, these sort of extreme analytics sort of passing numbers that would just completely refute that. Um, but yeah, maybe, the, the, maybe like... those numbers don't speak to sort of uh, time elapsed between passes, though. I, yeah, I, I, don't know I mean, what they there's, like. there's all types of tracking stuff, t- you know, t- length of touches, number of dribbles, number of raw number of passes. But I've never, th- I've never. When I have looked up the raw passing numbers, like I looked up like number of passes and Blazers wins versus number of passes and losses, and there's the difference is like four or five passes a night, which is like totally negligible over twenty games. Like that's yeah. just yeah, I'd agree. You know, and and I think raw passing numbers don't speak to sort of quality of passes, the intelligence of of passing to guys at the right time, or or you know, say you say you hold the ball too long and a guy finishes his cut and then you pass it to him after the cut and you don't pass it to him, you know, while he's still in that moving at full speed it doesn't it doesn't account for sort of quality of passing but i guess my theory on the ball movement and dame's absence uh which the the assist numbers without him were were 
started heading in the right direction. You know, mm-hmm. uh, game against the Bulls that he didn't play in really got it going. Uh, but I, I think it's because they put CJ in point guard mode a little bit the way the rotations work and he has to switch out of just straight scoring mode um and and play point guard like true true one for a little bit and he passes the ball more uh yeah that that could definitely play a role but that's also just a a stupid theory so i don't know that that's what i think yeah that that could play a role and i don't know if i've sort of gone on air kind of so to speak you know scare quotes with it uh but off air i've actually been pretty critical of some of cj's sort of pound the rock sort of play well, bring the heat, baby. Yeah, that's why we have a podcast. Let's let's hear it, Charles. If you're yeah. mad, say you're mad. Yeah, not mad. That's not really in my nature. I'm too relaxed for that. But uh, yeah, but, come uh, on. What uh, kind of podcast uh, guest is this? You got fired up. <laughs> but a little frustrated. Uh, I, I like beautiful basketball. I like to see the ball move, uh, and I just think that's an aspect of CJ's game that. I think he actually has to improve upon it. So I don't think it's simply just maybe the team or the composition given injuries sort of ask more of him in those situations. I think overall he needs to improve his sort of his court vision uh, and his ability to sort of set his teammates up. Uh, in this day and age especially, if you're just a one-dimensional kind of scorer. And I don't mean to say he only shoots threes, but he's sort of a scorer sort of through and through and through. Uh, it only adds value to your team if you can really really pick apart people in the pick and roll. I think he misses little pocket passes all the time. Uh, I don't know if it, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know if it's the read it. or, or what it is, but, but I, I see it a lot, you know, two, two, three times a game, which maybe isn't a whole lot, but heck that's a, that's a few assists and that's a few, maybe, you know, really good looking high, uh, high percentage sort of scoring opportunities. That's maybe passed up. Um, yeah. And, and look, CJ does his thing. He's a beautiful scorer. Uh, his mid range game is amazing. Uh, his handles amazing. Uh, but I think he can do a better job of, of finding some teammates. And, and I don't know if he just needs to sort of turn his brain on in that sense to, to, to sort of accept that role or if it's something he needs to get into the gym and sort of work on. But it's a bit frustrating for me. And if he doesn't sort of improve that, then I don't think he can elevate his game much beyond what it is now, which is not a low level. Yeah. It's a high level. He's a right. great, great Right, he's like borderline scorer. all-star, right? Exactly. He, like... he won't sniff an all-star game until he can improve his passing and his assist Until numbers. he gets traded to the Eastern Conference. <laughs> Fair play. Until he ends up on the Bobcats. A team that doesn't exist. Oh, right. That's how, that's how little I... on the New Jersey Swamp oh, it's, That's how little I pay attention to Charlotte, man. They're not even called the Bobcats anymore. The Hornets. Jeez. Yeah, they're the Mike Cats now. Jeez, um, that's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, he, he needs to expand his game in that end. And then he can like really sort of move into another sort of tier of like elite NBA players. Yeah, I mean he's he's really good, but there that if there is a an obvious weakness to his offensive game, it's that he can't finish around the rim and he's not a natural passer. I mean that's yeah, that's life. And then and then he looks like like a great player, you know. And now he's a good player, oh, yeah. really good player. But he can look like a great one if he sort of improves those things, and he can because he's improved a lot in his career thus far. Yeah, and like I said, it's like he's a borderline all star, but the 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 distance from good to great is uh is significant uh so getting back to sort of blazers recent play on the court i thought they played pretty well in that loss to the pelicans i thought they just missed some wide open three-pointers uh i i thought they played okay against the rockets in that loss too they weren't perfect but i thought they were kind of 
they just had some lulls in that game that like that took them out of it, and then Chris Paul just Chris Pauled him at the end. Yeah, I didn't watch. Uh, I, I missed most of the the Rockets game. I rewatched the or watched, I should say, the fourth quarter uh, the following day. So I got to see uh, what was a, a great sort of little run to sort of get back in the game. Um, totally. Uh, I know. I think they re- railed off kind of 11 0 run or twelve zero run at some point to sort of get back in it. Um, and Et hit, hit hit a few big buckets there. Um, yeah. To sort of help. Who with knew that, that running uh, clutch offense for Evan Turner to take 11 footers was really what the Blazers needed right right and yet and yet on the other end of that is is I think I think E.T. E. And, and Ed Davis kind of kind of bungled a few sort of pick and roll sort of switches Dude, Chris communication Paul just, Chris Paul just yo-yoed those guys yeah he was just like whoop 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 look like Chris yeah. pa- Chris Paul's a wizard you know he's he's gonna he's kind of kind of gonna do what he wants on the court and he's gonna sort of pull players around but uh, him and Ed Davis, uh, Turner and Ed Davis, that is, got really confused in that same sort of stretch where Evan Turner was making shots and gave up some really easy buckets to, to Capella and to, to Chris Paul. Um, credit to Chris Paul, like I said, uh, but but still, when you when you get a little lost, it's all the easier for a player of that caliber. Uh, and Chris Paul was amazing, 30, 30 plus, I think, that night, and he, he closed the game. So I, yeah, thirty seven. Oh wow! What did you think? What did you think about Chris Paul shooting that layup with seven seconds left that made Dame so mad? Um, you know, I I don't think it's a huge deal, but I am kind of old school in this sense that I think it's slightly poor etiquette. Um, yet at the same time, the the Blazers hadn't sort of stopped their sort of pressure as well. Um, so you know, if one team is still sort of playing defense, should, should the other team sort of be obliged to just sort of run the clock out you know maybe yeah, not I, I, if the blazers sort of put their arms on their sides and stand up upright uh then maybe the the rockets should do the same but if i recall they were still sort of pressuring also am i wrong yeah or? and it was like there was 20 seconds left in a seven point game like if he doesn't score and the blazers hit a three and then they're all you know like then you get into this madness and i think zach Lowe pointed this out is it better if chris paul goes all the way to the rim and then realizes he doesn't want to score and just dribbles it back out and ends the game. Like, isn't that pretty disrespectful in and of itself? Mm, yeah, I don't know if I'd call that disrespectful in and of itself. That could just be pure time wasting. Time is valuable at that point in the game. Not as valuable as a point, of course, or two, but uh, time allows you to the other team to score on the other end. So, um yeah, I don't make a big deal of it, and and Dame didn't seem to. He had words, it looked like, but it didn't seem to be any sort of aggre- aggression. I think I think he said is, "What did you get out of scoring that last bucket?" And uh, like, why did you do that? And Chris Paul said, "Y'all wasn't guarding." <laughs> yeah, he's like Chris Paul's like two more points, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> An easy bucket, and that's that's how we play Mori Ball in Houston. So. Oh yeah, exactly. That's a layup. We don't pass up layups. Yeah, yeah, it was a high percentage. This is how we play the game. Yeah, so I, I don't make much of it. Um, I, I I usually do notice those things, and I gotta say, watching it live or, or not even live, but the next day, having not seen the the controversy at first on social media or on the internet, uh, I didn't actually take note of it. Um, so so I don't think it was egregious. Um, even though I am I am sympathetic to those moments of sportsmanship and, and fair play. That that really means a lot to me. So that one's if uh, if CJ McCollum had just fouled the heck out of Chris Paul, would he would that have been okay? Like if he no. had just just no, you know what I'm, but, no, because that would have gone like, in the other direction in a way. You know what I mean? Like I, like I am about fair play, and, and two wrongs don't make a right. So uh, that would have upset me a little bit, also. 
yeah. even though I would have you know, I would have chuckled about it, but I would have been yeah, like, yeah, I, not, your inner not Blazer cool. fan would have been like, oh, Chris Paul got fouled. That's okay with me. Yeah, I, I would have laughed kind of on the inside, but uh, I would have I would have found it a bit salty and, and maybe an overreaction. Yeah, I, I probably agree with that. Um, I, I thought it was interesting that the Blazers got so upset about it. Uh, I mean, not really, because like it seems like after maybe like five games this year, Dame has been upset about some like mundane stuff that's actually like, hey, we lost, and I'm mad we lost. But he like channels it at something specific, like the referees or whatever, whatever. Or this time, Chris Paul shooting a, a layup. Yeah, which which isn't unusual for NBA players. They're hyper competitors, especially for Chris Paul. Chris Paul can show so much petulance on the court sometimes. You know, he he is it's like a really sort of rowdy sort of competitor. So I'm sure Chris Paul wasn't that bothered um, in the end. He got 37. He got his team to win with who were still without James Harden with the hamstring thing. Um, so yeah, much ado about nothing, kind of. Yeah, that's probably fair. <laughs> that's probably fair. <laughs> but you know, I don't, I, I don't... if the Blazers need to sort of uh, you know manufacture those sort of moments to to build up some energy, so be it. <laughs> yeah, see, I don't know if they were like hyping themselves up. I think it was just like, man, we played pretty well and we lost, and then he rubbed it in our face. I'm, and then it's like the time. I I just think for like for people out there who follow this type of thing, like the time between the buzzer sounding and them having talked to a reporter is probably about 20 minutes maybe a little bit probably about 20 minutes so it's like it's pretty fresh you walk to the locker room coach says something and then within eight minutes of coach talking to you there's a reporter talking like either standing over you while you get dressed or already asking you questions um so it's a pretty it's pretty fresh it's not like they have like 35 45 minutes to calm down uh it happens you know people get if you're pissed you do not have enough time to uh to play it cool unless you uh, are really zen about it yeah yeah so fair play to them indeed uh so i guess the other news in in blazer land is and this is not news either this is less news <laughs> than chris paul shooting a lamp but uh damien lord's eighth in fan voting in the all-star voting does it, charles does that mean anything no, because he'll never get big fan votes, regardless of the Portland Trailblazers, you know, social media accounts doing their best campaigning, uh, or the franchise itself doing their best campaigning. That's just, that is sort of the effect of small market stuff. Um, I don't even believe it's small markets. I think it's just, me. it's the effect of his certain superstar. You know, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, that's a pretty small market there in New Orleans, are right up there among the West frontcourt leaders, or... Uh, mm. Russell Westbrook is third, I believe, uh, among vote getters in the in the Western Conference guards. He's Oklahoma City's pretty small market. I, I think Dame is. He has a his superstar burns bright, but not bright enough to overcome playing on a team that's you know, a middle of the road at best Western Conference team. You know that's life. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, how do we make sense of Oklahoma City then? There, they got the same record. You know. And... Well, because uh, Russell has been in the news a lot. He averaged a triple double, and people love they just love how round those numbers are. Yeah, it's so nice. <laughs> it's so yeah, nice. They are a nice sort of benchmark, even though it might not might be arbitrary. And Russell's beef with Kevin Durant, sort of post, you know, because obviously they were in the NBA Finals. And, uh, so and wait, so how so how many votes did AD get? Okay, bef- I should probably have had this ready if I was. I, I mean, they, are they getting a hundred thousand more than Dame, or or like you know four thousand more or something? Uh, let's look it up. Here, let me kill time while this webpage loads. Yeah, they're getting some more. 
<laughs> Obviously not, not good at this. So, so Anthony Davis has 600,000, 660, and Dame is at 260. So 400,000 more votes. Okay, yeah, that's significant. Manu Ginobili has about 400,000 more votes than Dame, small market. Paul George has 300,000 more votes than Dame, small market. Yeah, I guess cool. I guess I don't know how to make sense of that then. I mean, Dame is visible. I mean, Dame has a, his own sneakers. He's in advertisements. He's an Adidas basketball uh, uh, brand ambassador, whatever you want to call it. Um, so I, I guess I have no idea how to make sense of that. Yeah, part of me thinks it's like the nature of it being the most crowded like Western Conference guards are the best collection of players in the league, right? I mean, you maybe make the the case for Western Conference front court players, but Curry and Harden and Westbrook and Clay Thompson and Chris Paul and right. Jimmy Butler, you know, like he's up against it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I, he seems to get you know just from random sort of fan base, you know, people I run into that are NBA fans, they seem to have respect for Dame, but. He doesn't seem to have lots of sort of diehard fans, though, which, again, I, I find incongruent just with his sort of, like, uh, branding sort of visibility. So, yeah, yeah I don't it know. is. He, he seems yeah, like a so, cool cat, too. You know, he, he shows up on, you know, Hot 97 in, in New York, you know, and freestyle raps. and uh, He should have freestyled for, like, 10 minutes, like Black <laughs> Thought. <laughs> exactly. I don't know, man. At least more music or, I, I don't know. I mean, he, Or less music. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. It's hard to make sense of. Yeah. No, so I don't I don't really buy the like small market thing, uh, even though that has to play a role. I'm not saying it doesn't play a role. I just don't think that's like the oh, he's in a small market. It's not going to work for him. Uh, I, I I think there's some other factors, but I also think like only the top two vote getters in the West guards are going to get it. So it's going to be Curry and James Harden. Right. It's, it's and, not going to. And so it doesn't matter ultimately. if he's it doesn't matter if he's third. It doesn't matter if he's fifth. It doesn't matter if he's 12th. The fan vote isn't going to fa- like, you know, he's going to get voted in by. Western Conference coaches. That's who's going to get Dame to the All-Star game. I I think making a big deal about it and saying, oh, my God, how is he behind Lonzo Ball just, like, sort of misses the, like, the mechanism for how this works. Right, and and funnily enough, you know, Dame is, is so consistent sort of year after year that, you know, his selection ultimately, which, again, is not, is not sort of fan vote stuff, uh, it's going to be contingent on the performances of other players, you know? How mm-hmm. how how is Clay playing this year? You know, look at Jimmy look at Jimmy Butler's game this year. So it's it's not even like he can do much more, or the Trailblazers can campaign him more. What are the other sort of like you said, cream of the crop sort of West guards doing? And and maybe they're they're still doing their thing. So he, yeah, he, and not even guards. Like, what does the whole Western Conference do? Like Blake being hurt helps him. Kawhi being hurt helps him. Mm. Chris Paul missing a big chunk of time helps him. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and when those guys are healthy, it's hard because, you know, it's especially the last two years when the Blazers have been just like bad at this time of year, four or five games under 500, six games under 500. It's hard to make the case that a guy averaging 25 and five on a team that's, you know, 19 and 25 really deserves it. But this year they're a little bit better. Uh, his numbers are right where they've been. I think he's going to get in. Uh, I'm not a hundred percent certain, but I'm probably 85% certain that he's going to get in. Yeah, and I would say, you know, he deserves that, you know, based on his last few years, you know, I, I guess his whole career in the league. How many All-Stars has he made now? Only one? Two. Two, okay. One time one time he was a replacement, but two. Okay. I actually thought it was only one. Well, maybe that is sort of appropriate for his career. I mean, he's a great player. I don't mean to sell him short, uh, and, he, and he is deserving, uh, but I hate three All-Stars in whatever six years is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. And, <laughs> pretty good. Uh, if you weren't making... 
If he didn't make it this year, he'd become the first player in league history to ever average 25 in three straight seasons and not make an all-star game in any of those three. Yeah, that would be that would be anomalous, man, and, and so, maybe a reason. So part of me wants Reeves. him to miss it so he could be a super <laughs> snub. He can get he could gain his power his superpower of of super snub. Yeah, for a little a little push in, in late February and March. <laughs> yeah. Even if he doesn't like even if he doesn't have those pushes, at least he'll like he and a certain group so, like selection of the fan base will pretend that he does, which I think is really hilarious. Um, they'll be like, "Yeah, he was he was fueled by this snub." It's like, "Well, one good game in the end of February is not how this works, but sure, sure. <laughs> exactly. And I don't, I, I've talked probably on last year's sort of pod. I don't watch the All-Star game anyway, so it'd be cool for him to make it, but y- your boy, your friend Chuck is not, is not tuning in Yeah, <laughs> to uh, see him shoot eight threes or, or, or play 12 minutes. <laughs> unless they pay me to watch, I will not watch it either. I can't, I was going to say that like staunchly I won't, but my job is such that someone might pay me to watch the game. So I may watch it, but I don't think I will. Yeah, uh, yeah. Just like, you know, someone who's working in that in that world, you'd probably appreciate a few days off also from watching basketball. Oh, I mean, listen, <laughs> beat writers love, beat writers of bad teams particularly love the All-Star game. That's great. <laughs> exactly. Maybe go on a little vacation and take some time to yourself. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Do all those things around the house that I need to do. we got to l- fix a light switch, you know, those type <laughs> Those type of fun things that it's tough to do when you're busy, uh, but yeah, I, I I don't know. I think Dame sounds from just talking to him a little bit more about it. He sounds more up. He would be more upset if he were to not make the All Star team this year than he has either of the past two years. Last year he was kind of resigned, like I'm not going to make it. Screw these guys. The first year I remember talking to him and he was like, do he was like, do you think I'll make it? And I was like, no, I don't think you will. And he was frustrated but he wasn't like stunned i think this year he would be legitimately pissed so uh so we'll see yeah seven games right so uh i don't think that'll hold him back if he's if he stays healthy over the next week and they they get going in the right direction or continue i guess i mean they have lost two in a row so maybe they're heading in the wrong direction but you know if if they keep up if they're fifth in the West when the coaches vote, he's making the all-star team. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that'll feel nice. Good for him. Will it? Will you buy all-star jersey? Uh, no, definitely not. I never liked the way those look anyways. Uh, and I don't know. It's tough enough for me to buy a regular jersey. The only, only Trailblazers jersey I own is, is a Nico Batum uh, jersey. So, yeah, that tells you about my merchandising sort of exploits. But uh, to, to return to the all-star game conversation real quick, what, what do you make of the uh, – the sort of uh, top vote getter sort of selection captaining sort of process. Uh. Well, it's funny because uh, John Wall and, and LeBron James and maybe one other player I can't think of off the top of my head have been like, yo, let's televise this draft. Let's do it. And uh, I think, Adam I think Silver Steph is like, said that we're as not well. going to televise the draft. Okay. Well, so Steph, John Wall, uh, LeBron, John Wall is funny because he might be a, a later pick than those other two guys. Um, but, uh, you know, those other two are going to be captains. John Wall is going to be like a, a pick. But uh, I, I guess he's – but Adam Silver said during the NBA games in London that he wants to sort of protect players in a way and, and not have their sort of sensitivities hurt by them getting picked last. Well, that to me is incredibly bogus um, and kind of strikes me that maybe – 
the league will still dictate who plays on whose team and the the captains actually won't choose. Yeah. You know, conspiracy theory, Mike thinks like by not televising it, it allows the league to have more control and, and dictate matchups a little more aggressively. Yeah. I don't know why they just don't don't dive into that for another, another, you know, hour and a half sort of special television event. You know what I mean? It it seems like it would be great. (laughs) It would be great TV, like legitimately fun television. Yeah. And I, and if they're worried about the drama or something like that, I, I don't know. I'm sure these guys could sort of, you know, make their picks kind of ahead of time and sort of think through it, you know? So it's not like this this moment of, of weird indecision, you know, uh, uh, on some faux stage. I mean, yeah, that's yeah, odd to me. But uh, obviously they've tried to introduce these sort of mechanics to, to make it fun, and yet they don't seem to want to make it totally fun. <laughs> yeah. It seems like the league usually gets this stuff right, so I'm surprised that they're getting it so wrong. Yeah. Yeah, either way, it'll be interesting to see what the selections are, even if we don't get to watch them make them in real time. Yeah, I mean, it probably won't make me watch the game, but uh, I do think... Right, right. I applaud the NBA for trying something a little bit different. Uh, You know, I guess that's fun. Just to change it up. Because the game itself is so meaningless. And there's no good way to inject meaning into it. You know, these guys don't want to get hurt. I think the last game ended like 190-something to 180-something. Like, it's not... It's it's uh, it's hard to get them to play defense. It's just... It's it's whatever. It is fun that Russell Westbrook loves winning the uh, All-Star Game MVP, though. I do like that about him. So, before we get to the All-Star break, Blazers have to play a handful more games... Starting with uh, this evening, they play, well, tomorrow evening, but this is going to come out on Sunday, so this evening, if you're listening to it on Sunday, they play the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are who have been really, really good, and then they come back home against the Phoenix Suns, uh, and then they play the Pacers later this week, and Mavericks, so some winnable home games coming up, but before we get to those winnable home games, Charles, the to close out this uh, trip against the T-Wolves, who are really good, do you, do the Blazers need... To, to split this trip and go two and two for you to feel sort of good about where they are? Because, you know, we've talked about sort of their quality of play being better, but do results matter to you at this stage? Yeah. To beat the to beat the Wolves, you mean, in this game coming up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Is that meaningful? Yeah, I think it is because they're a pretty solid team uh, and they have a handful of players that uh, are are a handful themselves. Um, and, and could be a kind of a potential matchup um, in the playoffs. And they and the Wolves play hard. Yeah, it could be a 3-6, uh, really pretty hard. realistic 3-6 matchup. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you're not ultimately meaningful, but I, I think the Blazers, they should be taking this game, like every game, but this game especially very, very seriously to sort of uh, see how they're really sort of matching up against this team. Um, and, and, I, and I recall uh, sort of minor sort of controversy uh, in, in the end of the last game in Minnesota. So I, I think it is, I'm looking forward to this game for sure against the Wolves. Um, and I think they, it would be great for them to get a, a good performance out. Yeah, I think last game Jimmy Butler shot twice as many free throws. Right, that, the entire, that was the controversy. That's the entire Blazers team. Right, yeah. there was the weird, um, the weird jump so ball it, sort of moment also. I agree with you. Yeah, 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 where it was like they were up big and then they came back and then at the end the uh, they called a, like, Basically, instead of uh, 
reviewing the video, they just called a jump ball on, a, on like a, we don't know who the ball went out off of, which is bizarre. Um, but I mean, the Blazers mm-hmm. blew a big lead. You can't, you can't blow. Mm-hmm. They t- they turned the game into a literal toss up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that was tough. But yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I I don't know that winning and losing is super important. Although you'd like to get a win just for maybe if tiebreaker stuff comes up later. Uh, but but I I do think you would like to see the Blazers continue to play with sort of that pace and that uh, uh, just ha- sharpness that they've played with recently. And, and uh, the, the, the T-Wolves aren't a great defensive team. They're a pretty incredible offensive team, even though they don't shoot threes, but they will, they can get buckets on you. Um, so it's, it's, I think it's just important for the Blazers psyche heading into some, into a nice little homestand, brief homestand uh, to, uh, to at least play well, to get, put themselves in a position to beat a playoff team. I think that's important. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to this one. A big performance for them coming up, I think. Yeah, should be fun. Uh, we'll probably record another podcast next week. So we'll. Uh, last time we talked, I think we said the Blazers are boring and they've played pretty well. Now we're saying they're playing pretty well. So just based on how our podcast usually goes, the Blazers are in for some bad results coming up. <laughs> the ringer curse. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Reverse ringer. Um well, Charles, I appreciate you. Uh, if you are looking for this podcast, just search My Friend Chuck. We're everywhere where you get podcasts. iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, Tune In. Just search My Friend Chuck. And do us a favor. Tell a friend about it. Say, hey, this is a podcast I like. Check it out. Uh, or, or if you're really feeling up to it, subscribe on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. We appreciate it. Uh, and that helps more people find out about it when you uh, give us positive ratings. If you're looking for Charles on the internet, he is at MC Helenarles on Twitter. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Mike G. Rich, and you can find all my work and my colleagues' work at OregonLive.com slash Blazers. Like I said, we'll do this again next week. We appreciate you guys listening. Charles, I appreciate the time, brother. Sayonara. Peace. See ya. <laughs>